0: Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by Tennistours.com, where you can receive a discount off your next purchase of professional tennis event tickets by using the promotional code Essential. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, and especially if you're a new listener. Last week we got a whole bunch of new listeners, a lot more downloads than normal. I think it was probably due to the topic. Last week we talked about pushers and being more successful against pushers, always a very popular topic. So if you are in fact new to the show, I want to welcome you and I hope that you came back to listen to this week's episode. If you are new to the show, make sure to check it out on iTunes. That's the fastest and easiest way to get the podcast every week. You can click subscribe in the itunes music store and automatically get the show every week when i come out with it on mondays so definitely check that out all right let's go ahead and get down to business sit back relax and get ready for some great tennis instruction all right let's go ahead and get started with our first game improving topic And that always is my goal here on the podcast, is to bring you guys information that can help you become a better tennis player. That's what the show is all about, and today is definitely no exception. Let's go ahead and, and start with our first question, which is from Christian in Ecuador. Christian wrote to me and said, I have been practicing tennis since about a year ago. I took some tennis lessons with a couple of instructors, and all of them have told me that I have to improve my footwork. Sometimes I do not bend my knees enough, and I also let the ball get too close to me. Could you please describe some drills to improve my footwork and place my body at the right distance from the ball? Best regards, Christian. Christian, good question. And th- this is a, a great question because, a foot, first of all, footwork is so important to tennis, and it's definitely one of the most important parts of the game. And yet I think it's underrated uh, among recreational players, I think probably especially modern day recreational players who really get caught up, uh, I think especially those of you who spend a lot of time online uh, looking around for instruction and for video, I think a lot of you guys get too caught up in, in technique, not that technique's not important, obviously it's crucial for you guys to have solid technique to be a good tennis player, but one of the easiest ways to tell the difference between an average level recreational player and a higher level one let's say one that's 4 or 5 or 50 is footwork it's without even looking at stroke technique it's very easy to pick out players who aren't as high in level because they just don't do as much with their feet and by the way if you're listening to this podcast you're probably aware of the great video that will over at Fuzzy Yellow Balls, came out with uh, Will and Adam. I should uh, make sure to mention Adam's name in there as well. But they both came out with a a really good footwork video just about a week ago. It's been getting a lot of uh, attention over there. So check that out. There's some things in that video that I don't agree with, but I think that most of it is really solid. And it's something that you guys listening really could stand to, to spend some more time focusing on to make your games better. You can only be as good as the position that you give yourself to be able to hit the ball solidly. Now, Christian, let's talk about your problem specifically, which is getting too close to the ball. And in my experience teaching, this is something something that's very common. A lot of recreational players misjudge the bounce, and they misjudge their distance from the ball after it's bounced. And they end up kind of overrunning and kind of overplaying their, their position. And they put themselves too close to the ball and end up getting jammed up at contact. And the result is usually poor swing mechanics. Because your your core, because your body, your, your stance, and all of you, because all of you is so close to the ball, it makes it impossible to extend your arm out towards the ball as you make contact and when you get jammed up like that, and your arm remains too close to your body, it's really difficult to make a fluid, loose, and long athletic swing towards the ball and most players end up just kind of pushing the ball back into play and to be honest with you to be honest with you guys it's really kind of all that's possible It's really tough to still hit a solid shot once you get too close to the ball and again, this is something that is not uncommon uncommon at all. So Christian, don't feel badly about it. And I'm going to give you two drills that you can do to help you get better at judging where the ball is and also where your body is in relationship to the ball and and where the ball is, is landing and coming back down to. The first drill that I'm going to describe to you guys, I have titled simply the catch the ball at the hip drill. Very uncreative, I know, sorry. Uh, and it it does just what what the title says. You and your partner, you're going to need a partner to do this, and not just Christians should be doing this. I want all of you guys to go out and try this drill. It's a really good one to find out exactly how good you are at judging, again, the bounce and where you are in relationship to the ball. But you guys should go out with a partner, and both of you guys should start right in the middle of the service line and either of you guys need a racket, so so leave your racket over on the side of the courts. Both of you should go to the middle of the service line. One of you will start with a tennis ball in your hands, and the other person will not so you, you just need one ball between the two of you. The person who starts off without the tennis ball is going to put his or her hands on each hip, so at your side, not in front of you uh but at your side, right at hip height with your palms facing out. So your your hands should be facing forwards towards the net, and you want your wrists to be touching your hips, Uh, kind of right at your side with your hands facing forwards. Now, from that position with each of you on either side of the net, one person with their hands at their hips, the other person with the ball, the person with the ball is going to toss it up into the air so that it lands inside either service box on the other side of the court. Now the person who just had the ball tossed towards them, their goal is to catch this ball after one bounce without taking their hands off their hips, so that means that this player must move their feet quickly and efficiently and and, and very accurately i might I might add to be able to reposition their entire body. Without, Again, their hands cannot leave their hips, so that means that in order to catch the ball after one bounce, this person must position their body perfectly so that after the ball bounces and comes up into the air, it comes back down again into either the right or the left hand of the person trying to catch the ball. So again, this person cannot move their hands at all. They have to stay essentially connected to their hips, their right and their left hip, one on each side. And must catch the ball after one bounce. Not two bounces, not on a fly, but after one bounce. Uh, And a couple of notes on this. Uh, In order to do this correctly and to do this successfully, you need to be able to move effectively right and left and up and back. You have to be able to move anywhere and judge where the ball is going to end up within a very small margin for error. Uh, Your, you know, your hands don't take up a large amount of space, and so you have to be very accurate with how you're moving your body up and back and right and left, and that's the whole point here, is to build some greater awareness of where your body is in in relationship to the ball. Um, One more thing, you, uh, there's kind of a little rule here, you must catch the ball with the hand that is on the side that the ball bounced on, so... In other words, if you're receiving the ball and the ball lands on the deuce half of the of the courts on the on the deuce side service box, so the service box to your right, you must catch with your right hand. If it lands on the left service box, you must catch with your left hand. And you guys can make a little competitive game out of this as well, which can actually be pretty fun. I've played this with students and uh, it's, it's a good workout and really, really good to develop your guys' eye hand coordination and your awareness of where your body is in relationship to the ball. And the way that you play is you both start off in the middle of the service line, and one person tosses the ball to the other side. It must bounce inside either service box. The other person must catch on one bounce, and without taking their hands off their hips. And then after you've caught the ball, you toss it again back to your opponent, and you can take one step so, you can take, you know, kind of like in, in basketball after you catch the ball, you can take one pivot step in any direction you want and toss the ball to your opponent's side of the court. And so you can kind of work each other back and forth trying to win the point by causing your opponent to drop the ball or to not be able to get to the ball. Now, you wanna be fair with this uh you can't use an overhand you know throw and just kind of whip it over uh right at the court. It's on the other side um so create rules that are fair for both players um rules such as the ball must travel upwards um out of the hand you you can't throw it down uh it must be an underhand throw, etc. or maybe you could um create a height. requirement, You know, the ball must travel over the net two or two feet or three feet over the top of the net, whatever. But you guys get the idea. And this ends up being a good workout and a great way to develop your judgment. So, Christian, I I suggest that you try this. Everybody else listening, try this as well. It's a a great competitive drill or cooperative drill, whichever way you want to do it. And one variation on this, um, once you get good at doing this from the service line, Have one player go back to the baseline and um, uh, the second player remain around the service line and actually feed shots. So take their racket, use an open racket face, a continental grip, just feed kind of high, deep shots, but vary the depth and vary the width and have the person receiving the ball still keep their hands on their hips and move their feet to be able to catch it right at hip height, right, where they're leaving their hands right on their hips. Now, this is a lot harder than you guys think. If you're just listening to me describe this and you've never tried it before, either on the service line or on the baseline, it's a lot harder than you think, <laughs> all right? Even if you consider yourself to already have really good footwork, this is like a, a whole, this is like next level type stuff. Um, You really have to be extremely accurate with your footwork and with your judgment. When you first start doing this, you will screw it up. And you're going to like run at the ball, and it'll bounce way higher than you thought, and it's not even going to be close. And it's going to like hit you in the forehead, and you thought you were in the right place to catch it at your waist. You'll be surprised, most likely. I mean, if you're not, write me, (laughs) please. (laughs) If you go and do this for the very first time, and you never screw up, and you catch it without moving your hands every time... Good job. You're a really good athlete and you've got great eye hand coordination. You guys will be surprised at how difficult this is, and especially when you go back to the baseline. And so it'll help you realize how much you should be moving your feet because recreational players all too often stand in one place on the baseline as far as depth and they'll move right and left because, you know, they have to get the ball before it goes past them. But too many recreational players don't move up and back with the ball very well and once you start having to catch the ball at waist height without using your racket and without moving your hands off of your hips you'll start to realize exactly how little you've been moving your feet up until now and unless you're already a 5 a 5 player but if you're a 5 player you're probably not listening to my voice right now anyway <laughs> so I, I really suggest that all of you guys try this and um if it's easy first try, let me know, seriously, um, and I'll resp- respond and tell you good job. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's go on to the second drill here. I've got another one to help you guys work on your positioning and, and to work on your footwork. And this one um, has to do with varying your contact points. And this is something that I do specifically with players who have a hard time Giving themselves enough space between themselves and the ball. I use this specifically for players who jam themselves on either either their forehand or backhand side over and over again, and it's a definite pattern. And that's something that I definitely see quite a bit of. Um, I really haven't ever seen a recreational player who consistently stops early. Um, either men or women, you know regardless of le- regardless of level i don 't think i 've ever seen a player who has plenty of time but stops, misjudges where the ball is going. It ends up being way too far away from the ball and you know kind of like has to fall over and swing at the same time because they didn 't put themselves close enough. However, I very commonly see players that overrun where they 're supposed to be and end up trying to hit with the ball way too close to them so Um, This is a drill that I've kind of developed to help players break away from that pattern and break away from that habit. So in order to complete this, we need one person who is hitting and one person who is feeding. And the person who is feeding, ideally, you guys really want somebody who can hit you a consistent shot over and over again, and we're looking for a ball on either the forehand or backhand side, whichever side that you want to work on, That's about three or four steps away from the center of the baseline. And the feeder, again, this is important. If you guys have a ball machine, that would really be ideal. If not, we want somebody who can give you a consistent height, a consistent speed, a consistent depth, and a consistent width. (laughs) And to be a consistent feeder, you have to control all of those things. That's why it's not easy to be a good feeder. Um, That's probably something I should talk about at some point. On the podcast, or maybe I should do a video about that, about how to feed correctly. Um, But you guys want somebody who can give you a consistent ball, and once you have that, you want this person to feed to the exact same place over and over again. And I find that most players have have problems being too close to the ball on their forehand side. So let's say that the feeder is hitting you shots out to your right, if you're a right-handed player. Again, about three or four steps away from the middle of the baseline, and I want you guys who have problems being too close to the ball to go through this sequence of shots. First of all, I want you to hit five shots in a row on your forehand side off of these consistent feeds that are way too close to your body, all right? Now, maybe you, already, maybe you already do this, and so the, this probably will be very easy for you. But I, I want you, and even if you don't have problems being too close to the ball, but you just want to improve your footwork and your judgments, I want you guys to try this. So hit five shots in a row that are clearly too close to your body and too jammed up. I don't care if you make the shot or not or where the ball goes. Just make an attempt to hit a ball after you place yourself too close to it. Next, hit five shots in a row that have a contact point that are definitely too far away from your body. Too far away. And I'm talking clearly too far away, where you you plant yourself, you get ready to swing, and you can't even hit the ball unless you just totally lose your balance and have to kind of fall forward towards the ball in order to reach it, because it's just way too far away. Now, if you do have a habit of putting yourself too close to the ball, This is probably going to be hard for you. (laughs) And in my experience, when uh, after I have my student hit five shots in a row that are too close, and then I say, okay, now I'm going to give you that same feed, and I want you to hit five in a row where you purposefully position yourself too far away from the ball. And usually, the very first time they try it, or maybe even the first five or ten times they try it, they actually position themselves just right. And they're thinking to themselves in their own head, all right, I'm going to stop myself too far away. And they, they stop themselves what to what seems like too far away to them, but it actually ends up being just right. And then I say, no, that wasn't too far away. Uh, in fact, that was just about perfect. Now you need to double that distance away from you and just make it obvious that you're too far away from the ball. Again, the the whole point here is not to practice being in the wrong place and making your swing. The point here is to break you guys away from a habit of being too close, Christian specifically here in Ecuador, but anybody else who's listening who is consistently too close on either side. The point here is to break your habit and to kind of get get away from that muscle memory of putting yourself too close and feel what it feels like to actually make the opposite mistake After you've done that, five times in a row, meaning if you do four in a row that are, all right, that was way too far away, and then the fifth one, it's comfortable or too close, start over again. Do five in a row that are too far away, and then finish it up with five in a row that are just right, that are in a comfortable place. And I suggest that you guys go through this sequence a couple of times. If this is an area that you struggle with, keep going through that sequence, Five shots in a row that are too close, five shots in a row that are too far away, five shots in a row that are just in the right place. The, the, the point here is to judge where the ball is going and purposefully mix up how you position yourself in relationship to the ball so that you guys can get away from whatever habit you have that, that's assumedly incorrect here and learn how to judge and put yourself in the right place. So we want to break away from from your habits, feel something different, and then learn what it feels like when it is, in fact, correct. So, Christian, that pretty much uh, wraps it up. Those are my two suggestions for drills to improve your positioning and to improve your judgment of the ball and to improve your footwork. All three of those things will get better if you practice these two drills and find a partner to do them with. And hopefully this is helpful to you. I'd love to hear back from you. Let me know how it goes when you attempt these drills for the first time. And the rest of you listening, if these drills are helpful as well, definitely let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear um, how it was helpful or, or even not helpful. If, if it doesn't make sense, uh, feel free to shoot me an email and let me know. Before we get to our second question on today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast, I just want to remind you all about the official sponsor of the podcast and that is tennis-tours.com. They are kind enough to support me and what I'm doing here on the podcast financially by by being an advertiser. And so I ask that you guys return the favor since they're they're helping me continue to do this by at least checking them out. At least go see what they have available. You probably you'll probably be surprised at the wide range of different tournaments that they have tickets for and also the different uh, kind of wide array of packages that they also have available, uh, ranging from hotel to limousine or shuttle service. Uh, other tickets, in the example of the U.S. Open, a lot of times they package together kind of a freebie for like a, a Yankees game or a show on Broadway, etc. So they have all kinds of different packages available. Or if you just want to purchase individual day tickets as well for a lot of the bigger tournaments they have that too so go check them out see what they have if you're going to a tournament soon please give them a shot and use the promotional code essential with a capital e and you'll get a discount off of any purchase over 175 dollars i thank them very much for their support of the essential tennis podcast all right let's go ahead and get to our second question On today's episode of the podcast, and it comes to us from Nicole in San Francisco, California, who's a 3.0 player. She wrote to me and said, My question is about shots you do as you're running to the net. I tend to get a lot of these because, as a 3.0 player with fairly good baseline hitting, my opponents sometimes just barely return the ball back over the net. You'd think this would be great because a short approach shot allows you to go for a winner, But normally these are short, wobbly shots that make it over the net, and I need to run and hit it back. Sounds easy enough, but sometimes my racket isn't turned right, my balance is off, and I can't decide if I should hit the forehand or backhand side. Setting up for these lame shots that come over the net is hard, and I end up losing the point because the ball flies out of the court or into the net. Can you give some tips on how to hit these shots? And then she says, P.S. I don't have a problem getting to them. I'm very fast on the court. It's just the movement that flusters me. Well, Nicole, I definitely feel your pain. (laughs) And I think just about everybody listening does as well. It really, really hurts to get a short, weak, easy shot. And to get there quickly, you say that you move around the court really well. It, It sucks to get that short, easy shot. To get there quickly... And then to just miss it for no good reason. And I'm going to talk about both main elements here. The movement and the technique of actually hitting this shot. I'm going to try to get both in quickly. First of all, uh, movement-wise, I've got two main things here that you need to work on. First of all, you must make a choice immediately about which shot to use. Either forehand or backhand. And if you get a lot of shots that land right around the center of the courts, that are slow and weak... Um, Or if you're really fast, even if it's not right in the middle of the courts, it's very possible you could easily hit either shot, even if it is a little bit to the right or or to the left of the center of the courts. I suggest that, um, and this is probably the uh, most obvious statement of the podcast, I suggest that you use whichever you're most confident with and use that shot as often as possible, either your forehand or your backhand, even if it means running around your weaker side. So if your forehand is more confident in general and you, on average, hit it better than your backhand, I want you to get better at making kind of a snap decision to hit a forehand as often as you can even if even if it means running around to the left three six or maybe even 10 feet to get a really easy forehand and to move around it Um, i'd rather that you have a shot that you prefer and you make a quick decision on which shot to hit than to be really wishy-washy about it and kind of wait till the last second and not really commit to the shot and you'll end up making a lot of mistakes that way now practice on this is going to build your confidence in your skill and as I said a second ago we want to start making this an immediate decision during your match play and so that means you have to practice this during your practice time on the courts now if you happen to be one of those people that likes both shots equally as well and I don't I don't think I know more than one or two people who can honestly say that they like both their forehand and their backhand just as well. They hit them both with pretty much equal results. They feel just as coordinated and just as confident on both sides. If that happens to be you or anybody else listening, um, since you're having trouble with this, I, I honestly, I would spend a bunch of time, maybe the next couple of weeks, really drilling one or the other exclusively on this short shot so that you can have kind of a more of a go-to shot on this short ball. And it's not that I want you to have a weaker side and to lose confidence in one side, but it sounds like you're really making a lot of mistakes due to indecisiveness and just not really sure which one to go for, and you're, as a result, your movement and your positioning is suffering. So I want you to get more confident in either your forehand or backhand side and start making that kind of your, your go-to shot so that... Anytime you get a kind of a floater, short, easy shot, you know, all right, this is, I'm going to hit a forehand on this for sure, no matter what, and it's going to be solid. I've hit a ton of these, and you can go for it with confidence rather than being unsure of yourself. Um, So that's the first part. Um, I want you to, uh, the first part having to do with movement, I want you to start making a choice immediately about which shot to use. Secondly, your balance and your positioning, etc., both things that you mentioned, this will start to come as well with repetition during practice. You have to practice this shot on purpose. Get somebody to feed you short, easy shots or get a ball machine to feed you short, easy shots. And you have to learn how to be an athlete and hit an effective shot while moving dynamically at the same time. And that might be just moving forwards uh, quickly to get to a shot that's really low and short, uh, but but still a relatively easy shot. It might mean moving around a backhand to hit a forehand while you're moving forwards, uh, whatever. But a lot of times these short balls, we don't give them enough respect because they're supposed to be easy, and yet... um, we don't practice them enough to be really good at moving and hitting the ball at the same time as we move in to kind of try to put the ball away or finish the points. It sounds like you've got plenty of quickness, which, which you said in your question. You've got plenty of quickness. Now you need to learn to hit these shots with balance, and that takes practice. So... Another reason to practice this, this shot a lot. Not only do you have to learn how to take one shot or the other probably more often and, and make that decision more quickly, but you have to develop some more balance as you do so. And everything will get better when that happens. And that's going to come through repetition and practice. Now, real quickly here, let's talk about the technique of this shot because this is a really, really common shot for recreational players to screw up. The, the short, easy shot, and it's crappy because, <laughs> again, it's an easy ball. It's a shot that everybody thinks, oh, I should be able to put this away just like on TV and, uh, and finish the point. And when you miss that shot, it's really kind of deflating, and uh, it's, it's terrible to miss it. Now, the biggest reason in my experience why this shot is missed by recreational players is because they hit the ball too straight and too flat, with very little margin for error. Uh, Believe it or not, even when the pros hit this type of shot, they're still hitting the ball with topspin. Now, it might not be as much topspin as a ball that's struck from behind the baseline and hit with a a big loop in it up over the net to to make it safe and come back down again, but they are still hitting the ball with topspin most of the time. Once in a while, they get one so easy that they literally just hit flat right at their target over the top of the net. But most of these types of short balls are still hit with topspin by the pros, assuming that they're driving it and it's not dropping so low that they're playing some kind of slice or backspin shot, which can be effective as well. But I um, can tell from your question here, Nicole, that you're talking about a ball that's easy and you're, you're trying to hit with some aggressiveness. So we want to start adding some more topspin to this shot so that there's more curve in the path of the ball. And that's going to give you more margin for error and make it safer for you to attack without making so many mistakes, both into the net and long. And there's two main technique elements that are going to make this possible. Number one, we need an upward swing path. That's what's going to lift the ball to get it over the top of the net safely. Number two, we need a flat racket face, relatively speaking. We don't want the racket face tilted upwards towards the sky, because if we combine that with an upward swing path, you you know what's gonna happen. The ball is gonna go too far. And that's what happens when, when players miss a lawn. So basically, anytime you miss a lawn, uh, during your practice, when you go to practice this shot, anytime you miss a lawn, I want you to close your racket face more. Don't change your grip. Just take your, your hand and turn the racket face, turn the, the string bed so that it's more closed and make the same swing that you just made a second ago when you missed do lawn. Don't, don't take anything off of it. Hit it with the same amount of confidence. Every time that you hit the net, I want you to accelerate upwards more. Not forwards, but vertically. Upwards. So if and we, we need to balance these two things out, the upward swing and the closed racket face. Anytime you hit the net, do your best to leave the racket face the same, but hit upwards more aggressively. Every time that you miss a lawn, do your best to keep the, the swing path the same, but close the racket face a little bit more. And so we need to find a good balance between how fast you're accelerating upwards with exactly how closed the racket face is and practice this again and again so that you can clear the net by a good foot or two feet and still keep the ball inside the baseline by four or five or six feet with a confident swing. Once you can do that and you you put in enough repetitions that you can also get better balance uh, and get better at moving quickly and making a more decisive choice right away about which shot to hit, you're going to start crushing these, Nicole, and you're not going to be a 3-0 player for long <laughs> once you're able to hit these consistently and start to put them away with confidence. So best of luck with this. Thank you very much for being a listener. Um, Nicole h- had some kind words about uh, uh, being a listener of my show as well early on in her question, so thank you for that, Nicole. Uh, thank you for being a listener, and good luck with this. Let me know how you do. That does it for episode number 129 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to download and listen to this show today. I I really appreciate it. Make sure that you tune in next week. I'm going to have a special guest with me on the show. He is a professional tennis player. Not anybody who's like a big name, you know, household name or anything, but somebody who makes their living playing tennis, professionally on the atp tour he's going to be answering some questions about doubles and i'm also going to have an announcement about something that i that i'm going to be releasing next week that i'm really excited about so make sure to listen to uh, to next week's show to catch that until then take care and good luck with your tennis